Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prude. Yeah. He's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, hey, Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm not gonna suck! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 98 of the Skate Podcast for the second time today. <laughs> 98 part B or 98 point... 98 revision A. Um, yeah, revision. Throughout the first one. We just got done recording, um, you know, a, a you know an hour an hour plus podcast. Uh, and the second we get off, literally minutes after we get off, um, the Bruins fire Bruce Cassidy. So a lot of what we talked about, you know, hinged on some of, you know, uncertainty and we just got some some clarity and so i we have to we have to redo it and so i'm brian d fleece bridget Pru, scott mclaughlin guys um the bruins fire head coach bruce cassidy uh after six or seven seasons and he has i want to say the second best winning percentage as a head coach uh, in that time and you know the their roster was never um maybe when they went to the finals in, in 19, but there was a good path to get there. He made the absolute most out of out of the rosters he was given. I mean, he wasn't a perfect coach. They had some shortcomings this year in the playoffs and in past years, but anybody who looked at the personnel would be the, he would be, Bruce Cassidy was the last person to lose their job. Um, I think it's very disappointing. I'll throw it to you guys for some initial reaction. Yeah, so... I'd say one of my initial reactions is to try not to immediately jump to it being a massive mistake because all I keep thinking about, and I, I wrote this before when during the time where they were kind of just letting Cassidy twist in the wind where, you know, like right after the season, Sweeney meets the media, Neely meets with the media, Neely says that they're working to finalize a deal with Sweeney, uh, is asked about Cassidy and says, you know, I like him as a coach, but I do think we have to change how we want to play. And ultimately it's going to be Sweeney's call in terms of the coaching staff. Um, right then and there, you knew that they were at least considering firing him. You don't, you don't leave the, that 
door open like that, if you're Neely, if you're intent on bringing get it, you know, if you're Cam Neely and you want Bruce Cassidy back, you say it right then and there that Bruce Cassidy's back. Um, so we knew they were considering it and it's been about two and a half weeks since those press conferences. And now it, it finally happens. Um, presumably Don Sweeney's deal is, is completed and he's now signed because uh, this announcement came from him. Sweeney is the one who has the lead quote in the press release that the Bruins put out um, explaining the decision. So obviously as Neely said before, this was Sweeney's call ultimately, which means Sweeney is obviously sticking around. Um, and Sweeney is going to be the person that's available to the media tomorrow uh, for people yep. to ask questions about it. Yep. Um, but so to get to what I was trying, where I was eventually going here, when Claude Julian was fired in 2017, I think a lot of us had a lot of the same reactions that we're now seeing with Bruce Cassidy. And I, and I was among them and I, I'll, I own that. Like, I thought it was a huge mistake for them to fire Claude Julian. I thought Claude Julian was a great coach, arguably the best in Bruins history. And I didn't think there was any chance that they were going to get a better coach. And we could sit here and debate whether Bruce Cassidy is a better coach than Claude Julian or not, but he was better for that group, as it turned out. Uh, that getting that change in the locker room um, helped the Bruins at that time in 2017, clearly. Bruce Cassidy came in and that team started playing much better and he was the right coach for many years after that. Um, so I try to caution myself to think about that lesson of, you know, just because someone is a great coach and I think Bruce Cassidy is a great coach. I think he's one of the best in the NHL. Brian just had the stats about second best winning percentage since he took over uh, from Claude Julian that doesn't mean that firing him is a huge mistake. It doesn't mean that they can't find another good coach or someone who is better for this group right now than Cassidy was. All yeah. that said, uh, Cassidy obviously was not the biggest problem with this team. The roster, the way it's built, the drafting, the free agent signings, the overall team construction led by Don Sweeney is clearly a much bigger issue. And so this does not address that. You know, this feels like a move to buy time. If you're Don Sweeney, um, this is how it goes in sports is if the general manager gets to keep his job, but the changes are needed, it is always easiest to fire the coach first. That always buys you time it it shows that you're trying something it buys you a grace period as the new coach comes in and this is what happens this is how general managers deflect when their roster isn't good enough is you fire the coach because it's the easiest thing to do and cassie had one year left in his deal so it's not you have to pay him for the next five years you pay him for one more season and you go out and you make your change. And to us, to a lot of people, it feels like a change just for the sake of making a change. And that might be all it is. There may also be other reasons for it that we can get into. But that is my initial reaction is that 
it is entirely possible that the Bruins go out and find a coach who is better for this group right now. I don't think that is impossible for them to do. But if if Don Sweeney thinks this address this makes some sort of big change that turns a team around or you know single-handedly elevates them and he doesn't have to go out and do a hell of a lot more work then he is completely mistaken. Yeah, no, the problem my first reaction is that Bruins fans are you know, they're people who pay really close attention to the team. They're well-informed fans. They're not stupid enough to think, okay, yeah, it was Bruce Cassidy's fault. Like Don Sweeney, he did what he had to do with, with Bruce Cassidy, whatever. No, it's very obviously to protect Don Sweeney's own job, right? And even even if, you know, he thinks he can move on, maybe find a, a different coach that fits the team, it still looks like, you do this when you you know your job is in trouble. And by the way, in uh, the Deleted Scenes podcast <laughs> that we recorded before this, um, we were talking about how, you know, it was announced by Neely that Sweeney, he, they were working on a deal with Sweeney and then no press release was ever put out on a deal with Sweeney. Well, clearly there's some sort of deal with Sweeney because he's the one who's announcing this decision. Um, and... I read through the press release that we got and I'm, I'm sure Scott's going to, you know, go, go to a warrior tomorrow and get some hard hitting questions in. But um, there were just a few parts of it that were, you know, they just weren't written very like, I don't know. This will, this will bother Brian where it says his head coaching record for the Bruins is impressive. And we are appreciative of Bruce, Bruce, both, professionally and personally. Um, I mean, obviously Brian already mentioned the stats speak for themselves. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to be like, yeah, we, we love, you know, the stats he put up, but bye. Yeah. And just a couple of notes as well. Um, you know, when Claude Julian was fired, Scott, it was coming off of, you know, back-to-back missed postseasons. Um, and, it was looking like maybe a third consecutive missed postseason at the time when 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 Cassidy uh, took over for for for, for Julian, um, so it was a little bit different. Like it kind of made a little bit more sense whether you felt he should have gotten fired or not. It was more tangible like evidence. But with Cassidy, I mean, he's made the playoffs every year. He's wanted. I think he won a Jack Adams one of the years. Um, yep. You know, won 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 a President's Trophy one year. Went to a Finals the year before that. Um, you know, this took this Bruins team with a bunch of new faces to a 51-win season uh, after, you know, a slow start and some injuries and blah, blah, blah. I think for me and for a lot of people, um, it's not so much the coaching change in and of itself. Like, I think they can overcome a coaching change. I mean, a, a new voice could be fine, um, could, could do them well. For me, it's the intent. Like, I just feel like this was you know, Sweeney looking out for Sweeney. I mean, it, it was, it was he, Bruce was the fall guy here. Like, there's no doubt yeah. about it. And Neely knew the same thing. Neely is also quoted in this press release at, at the very end. It's a, it, this is a quote from Neely. I have the utmost confidence in Don Sweeney to conduct a thorough search to identify the best candidate yeah. uh, that will help our yes. team reach its full potential. And expect the Bruins to have a press release tomorrow announcing new head coach. 
Don Sweeney. Um, <laughs> uh, like that's also like a slap in the face, like to help our team reach its full potential when Cassidy was doing his well, absolute the best he could do with yeah, well, he had. It's clearly Cam Neely picked a side here, and it was the side of Don Sweeney, and that's not surprising because Neely and Sweeney are obviously bros going all the way back to their playing days. Like they are very close friends, and you know, I think it's. I remember. I don't know if you guys remember this, but either like at the end of the season or towards the end of the season when we were talking about potential changes, I mentioned like would Sweeney in his end of year meetings, maybe not directly, but, you know, make his case to Cam Neely that the roster could have been, could have done more, that there was, you know, something left on the table basically and essentially more or less throw Cassidy under the bus. And that's basically what happened. You know, I don't know exactly how those meetings went or exactly what was said or how direct Sweeney was with that criticism, but it's obvious that Sweeney made the case that, you know, this roster that I built had more potential than what Bruce Cassidy got out of it. And Neely bought it. Yeah, Neely bought it. I don't know if he bought it or if he just agreed that he would rather stick with Sweeney than and and like do what do that side of the thing. Like I don't think Neil. Why would Neely buy that? Neely knows what he saw. Neely's at all the games. Neely knows what's going on. He he watches hockey. He knows who the players were and what their potential was. So I don't think he's fooled by anything Sweeney says. He just must have chosen, like you said, chosen that side and lived with the fact that he was going to have to get rid of one or the other, and they went with Cassidy. Guys, job security does come into play with Neely, too. I mean, there's a pecking order to this, right? So if you fire the GM, okay, then, you know, next could be the president, right? If you fire the head coach, chances are next is the GM. So I I do think there's layers to it. Um, I I will say this, though. my my initial reaction is to say the obvious, which is it looks like Sweeney's. The, I mean, uh, Cassidy is the fall guy. He's falling on the sword for somebody else's shortcomings. I will say though, there's there could be more to the story that that I'm not giving credit to until just now, and that could be, you know, it could be that Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci or David Pashnak, you know, hinted at, look, I'll resign, I'll resign, or you know, I'll extend. Um, you know, if there's a coaching change, or you know, and I think Jake DeBrusque will be in that camp as well. If there's a general consensus from the players to the management, we understand what Bruce's record is. We understand he's he's not made chicken soup out of chicken shit, but he's made the best of this roster. Um we just don't we just don't feel him in the room. He's not then as a GM, you have to listen to your players. And that's a situation that could be real. You know, I don't see Patrice Bergeron throwing Bruce Cassidy under the bus. I mean, David Krejci clearly wasn't thrilled with his usage of Pashnak in him. We all know DeBrusque, and he's not the only one. That could be something else at play. But short of that, um, I have a tough time seeing the, seeing Sweeney making this decision for the Bruins over Sweeney. That's just my opinion. Yeah, well, yeah, well I think that there's definitely... I would say there's probably more that we don't know about how the locker room has been this past year. Obviously, there was a little bit of insight given to this around the time that DeBrus requested uh, to be traded. There was some questions into it. There was some reporting on it, but I mean, none of us, not 
Scott or I had never been able to talk to someone that could confirm any of that. But um, that is one question that you have to wonder, like, was it really falling apart for him in the locker room? Because that's obviously that's an okay reason to to move on from a guy uh, that looked like he was actually doing a decent job. That's something we don't know. Uh, might not know ever, might find out a few years down the line or like when Bergeron retires or like this. And then to the other point that you were making, maybe the the players had a say in this, like whether or not they wanted to stay with him, meaning like I would say Pasternak and Bergeron would be the two that you would have to have talked to about the coaching change. Yeah, and look, I mean, obviously it's not, it's not totally, it's not a surprise that it, it's pretty well known that like, yes, Cassidy at times had issues with players or got on players' nerves or rubbed players the wrong way, whether it was calling them out publicly or laying into them in the locker room or on the bench. And, you know, every now and then, like you would hear stories like that and some are probably true. Some probably weren't like, you know, we heard one, Early on this past season, that and I'm trying to remember where trying to remember where it came from. For some reason, I want to say it, was, it might have been someone on our station. In which case, I should should have remembered it. But the report that like Cassidy got on Grizzlick and Bergeron had to calm was it Cassidy not Greg? down. Was that it might have been Greg. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was Oldway or uh, or uh, I mean um, Maloney or Fourier, maybe. But either way, I think it was Greg Hill. Maybe it I, was. I'm leaning towards. Greg Hill as well. I'm leaning towards Scott. Let's McLaughlin. give let's give Greg credit. It was Scott McLaughlin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, let's let's be real. At the yeah, time, I mean, but we like, talked and it, we it, said, it, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> and I still don't know if it's true. But like, it's not surprised. Like, I think stuff like that happens. It, Cassidy's even acknowledged that. Like, he Cassidy has said in the past that there's been times where Patrice Bergeron has had, has calmed him down. So stuff like that like isn't shocking that also doesn't necessarily mean that like he lost the locker room or whatever, or that players went to management and said, like, we think he should go like that's, you know, those are, those are different things. Um, you know, I, John Butchergrass of ESPN. I don't know if you guys have seen what he's been tweeting tonight since this news broke. Um, I don't know, you know, what he knows, what he doesn't, what he's getting at here. But, like, he tweeted one gif of Patrice Bergeron, like, turning towards the camera and smiling. He tweeted that, I guess, Bergeron's coming back now. Um, he tweeted a picture of David Krejci and used the waving hand emoji. Uh, he tweeted a photo of Cam Neely next to a photo of Rick Tockett as a Bruin. Like, I have no idea if there's anything to this or if Butchie's just tweeting out nonsense. But if you, like, added that all together, the message that Butchie seems to be getting at here is, like, I guess Bergeron and Krejci are at least more likely to come back with Cassidy gone. Seems to be what he's getting at there. I don't know if that's true. I, you know, like, we've been talking, it's... You know, and what was said like in these meetings with management and players? Like, did Don Sweeney get uh, get the impression, or maybe get directly stated to him that players didn't like Cassidy and didn't want to play for him, and that some guys who 
were maybe considering coming back or going elsewhere or retiring or whatever. Yeah, that well, um, the cap, obviously it's Sweeney that talks to the agents. It's Sweeney that hears yeah. on behalf of the players what what you know they expect and what they want when they negotiate. So he's able to talk. He was the one who was able to speak to what DeBrusque was feeling um, in the off season, last off season. Um, you know, there, when it came out that he wasn't happy to be in Boston, it was before the trade request, but um, it was known at that point in time that he wasn't happy that he was there. And um, he was the one who was dealing with the agent at that time, because technically I believe DeBrusque had asked to be traded that, that off season. Um, so he knew what the complaints were from DeBrusque camp. And I'm sure the Bergeron uh, camp as well through his agents and, you know, Krejci's agents and whomever he's had to deal with to sign over the past few years, he knows where those guys are coming from. And I guarantee you they went, they're obviously in conversations with Pasternak, as we mentioned in the um, podcast that no one will ever hear. Uh, Pasternak is going to become a free agent at the end of this season. So obviously they should be in talks to extend him now if they want to. And so they're hearing from, you know, maybe they're hearing from a few different people. Hey, you know, we we want to make a deal here, but we we're not 100 percent sure that this is the right direction. Scott, to your to your point about uh, Bouchagras too, he, there's always where there's smoke, there's fire with him. Um, and I gotta say, actually, uh, not to not to pull a 180 here. <laughs> because I love Cassidy. I think he, I think he got he got screwed oh, over. Brian's gonna make us delete another podcast. He got screwed over. He got he got he got porked. He did. He By the did. way, I, and we and we called him out. We called Brian out on the last podcast for turning a one eighty on his Bergeron take of whether or not he was going to retire. But go, but go on. No, no, there was. I didn't have all the information when I said the first take. But I think Bruce Cassidy was wronged here. However, uh I, I love the idea of, of, of Rick Tockett. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, because he has that fiery personality. But Fluto Shinzawa just put out an article, and one of you guys may yeah, have but, said it. And by the way, it's, sorry to cut you off, but Rick Tockett also failed miserably as a head coach uh, his first yeah. two tries. Well, and, But to that point, and like, I, I, I like the idea of Rick Tockett, somebody who's fiery. He, he's cut from that Bruce Cassidy, John Tortorella, like, you know, I'm going to hold you accountable and not feel sorry for the cloth. But... You know, Fluto Shinzawa's article that just went out, and one of you guys may have alluded to it, but it said something like, you know, fl- players were afraid to make mistakes under Bruce Cassidy. Oh, okay. I mean, would they not be afraid to make mistakes under Rick Tockett? I mean, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's it's a very fluid situation. I don't really know, um, you know, if, if, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to really speak on, but how do you fire Bruce Cassidy, who's proven, he's a proven commodity, and, like, you know, great coaches aren't easy to come by, and then go to, Rick Tockett. Now, I like the idea of Tockett, but it's just like I like the idea for Cassidy. I don't like Cassidy getting fired, but Rick Tockett seems kind of like the same same field. So, I don't know. It's kind of confusing to me, but it's it should play out, though. Yeah, and also, like, let's remember one of the reasons that I think Cassidy was such a good fit in 2017 was that, was that he was good with young players at that. Like, he'd come up from Providence. He'd worked with a bunch of the Bruins' younger players at that time. In Providence, you know, guys like Grizzlick, um, you know, like several players who were like kind of just breaking through at that time. And that was like a huge plus at the time. So I don't, like in five years, did he forget how to work with young players? I, it 
yes, things change because obviously he no longer has that direct connection to players he coached in the AHL when they were, you know, 20, 21 years old. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Fluto's article and like, I'm just kind of skimming through this and, you know, he mentions some names who would kind of fit that mold of like guys who have more experience working with younger players. Um, you know, Jay Leach, who was the province Bruins coach until this past season when he became assistant coach of the Seattle Kraken, Ryan Mujanel, their current province Bruins current coach, Nate Lehman, Providence college head coach, David Quinn, who was head coach at Boston university. Oh, by the way, when Matt Grizzly and Charlie McAvoy were there, um, didn't Lee. Nate Lehman just sign a new contract with the Friars? I don't think that matters. Uh, if, true, true. If the NHL <laughs> comes calling, you you figure out a way to get out of that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see like what kind of coach are they looking for? Is it is it going to be someone who you know has more experience with young guys and anticipating you know at some point here in the next year or two that transition that if not a full rebuild, you know, at least a, a retooling, a transition to kind of the next era. Um, is it, you know, Cam Neely and Sweeney in their end of year press conferences talked about the need to get more offense and they say two different things, like, right. Like they, they both kind of told us like they want to open it up more. But then when I asked Don Sweeney point blank, if that, if he was open to the idea of like sacrificing some defense, which by the way, was something Bruce Cassidy said he was open to doing Sweeney said, no, you know, we're not going to like sacrifice our defensive foundation. So it's like, okay, so what, like, how are you opening it up more and getting more offense then? Um, but I don't know. Like, are they looking for a head coach who encourages more offense? Again, that was another initially a selling point of Cassidy was that guys were freed up more than they were under Claude Julian. So in some ways I feel like we're like kind of doing the same thing where, you know, maybe Cassie's teams got too defensive. Maybe uh, he over five years got disconnected from some young players and now they're like going through all this again. And, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like good, obviously good luck to them They're They just dumped one of the best coaches in the, in the NHL. Um, one who I imagine if he wants another head coaching job right away, we'll, we'll get one this off season. Um, and you know, we're, we're going to see the other thing is like going off some of these butchy tweets, like the Bruins better know that they have something on the way, you know, that's going to help them out next season because otherwise if Bergeron retires and crazy doesn't return and you go into next season with, Marshand and McAvoy out for the first two months. Uh, how well are you setting up your new coach for success? Oh, you're firing your new head coach week two. <laughs> uh, we've seen it happen before, but I don't think you get another head coach scapegoat. Uh, if you're, if you're Don Sweeney, you only get the one. So um, yeah, no. And, and so obviously this ended up, this is going to end up being a huge talking point throughout the off season. And, it ends up being the subject of the front end of our podcast as well, where we had to throw out the first one because we spent a lot of time 
talking about, you know, the injuries, the, you know, Marshawn hip surgery, the McAvoy and Grizzly shoulder surgeries, Riley's ankle surgery, Bergeron's elbow surgery. Like there were so many procedures to talk about and get in the weeds on. And, um, you know, we talked about how, you know, it changes whether or not you could trade Grizzly or Riley. And there's still so many questions that still aren't, I feel like this doesn't answer I mean, answers one question, will Cassie be the coach? But does it really answer a lot of the other questions we have about, you know, the roster and, you know, the, the important questions really, the roster is Bergeron coming back, uh, you know, the whole Krejci thing, like Bucci tweeted about Krejci just now too. So I, I don't know if he's being facetious, but um, there's still, I don't know if you guys want to get into that again at all. What, the the Krejci stuff with Bucci-Gross? Oh, well, no, just the... <laughs> The, you know, what you think about Bergeron staying and going and what we talked about with Krejci. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like if if that was if that was expressed to Don Sweeney that that these players wanted that and if they wanted to have them back as players, then, you know, Sweeney kind of, I guess, has to do what he did. But, you know, if that isn't the case, there's the Bruins are they're a worse team right now. I mean, I think I they're completely um taking for granted what they've had here the last, you know, 15, 16 years with Claude Julian and Bruce Cassidy. You've had two coaches for almost two decades. I mean, the Boston Bruins went through went through head coaches like toilet paper before Claude Julian. So I mean, I just think that like you know, it now okay, now you're now you're now you're in the game. Now you got to now you got to find the next great coach that cuz you don't want to be you don't want to be hiring and firing coaches every you know, two seasons, you want stability. They had stability with Bruce Cassidy. You may have had some, you know, some nuances that he didn't get along with certain players, or, or I should say the other way around. And maybe he was tough on some players, but you had you had a stable, proven head coach in this league. And now, now you don't have that. I mean, I guess we'll see who they bring in. Um, is it a Barry Trotz? Is it a Joel Quenville? Is it a, is it a Rick Talkin? No. I don't know who the hell it is. Not Joel Quenville. I, no, it won't be. It won't be Joe. Bar- Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz. I mean, like, well, it's here. The thing, like, I don't see how it could be Barry Trotz, who's an even more defensive coach than Cassidy. Like, what? Supposedly, you want to open things up. That that isn't Barry Trotz. That's not. That's not what he does. You bring in Barry Trotz when you're the Washington Capitals and you play wide open offense, but no defense. Like, that's the team that brings in Barry Trotz. Um, I, I don't know. And so someone else, I think what? it was Ty Anderson mentioned like Rick Bonus and another guy who was who was actually a coach when Cam Neely was a player and you know has been in Dallas in recent years. Like it, it'll it'll be. I'll say this: like I think it'll be fairly disappointing if it's someone from sort of the Neely Sweeney circle of friends. And Rick Tockett would fit that to me as well. What? Like not to say that it can't work, obviously, but. If this, I think part of the problem with the Bruins right now is that it is very insular and kind of this boys club of just Cam, Don, and friends. And if you're now hiring a coach who's sort of from that same circle, it's like, man, that like that's like a lot of groupthink and not a whole lot of people bringing new ideas to the table. Well, what 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 are they looking for on the ice to change? I mean, seriously, like you heard Don Sweeney and, and Bruce and um. Cam Neely talk after the season that 
their five-on-five offense, they faulted, they faulted the lack of scoring from the blue line before criticizing the lack of scoring from their forward group. And it's like to to pin to go out in the offseason and sign Nick Foligno and Thomas Nosek and you, you know like and you have Trent Frederick on your third line because that's how bare your bottom six is when it comes to skill you know or scoring ability and you turn and say it's because our our defense not active enough in the offensive zone what about your yeah, forwards? Derek Forbert what are you doing what about your forwards and so philosophically. If if Sweeney and Neely, like, if that's what they're hanging their hat on, oh, we're going to have a coach come in here and get Connor Clifton to score 15 goals a year and Derek Forward and, you know, like, as, how about your forwards? So to me, it's like, I don't care what coach you bring in. Like, if that's going to be their fix, let's let, let's get more offense from our defense and, and, and just ignore the fact that our bottom six forwards are offensively anemic. See you later, Bruce. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> what what I'm hearing you say is that it doesn't fix the fact that they don't have much salary cap. They have to do something with, you know, probably, uh, you know, do something with Felino's contract. They they have to find more room in the cap. Well, Cassidy's not handling the cap. That's Sweeney. Like the personnel that was brought in, that's Sweeney. Like all the issues that they that they still have were created by and now have to be dealt with by Don Sweeney. So. We're, we're still stuck in this place where it's like, all right, well, they need to find more cap space. They need to find a way to, you know, hopefully for them sign Bergeron back. And there's just, there's just so much more that has to be done. Yeah. And to bring up uh, something else I um, brought up on the never to be seen edition of this podcast from two hours ago. Um, we talked about, and it's obviously been covered before, just how hard it is for the Bruins to make any major moves this offseason because they have so many players under contract and so little cap space, which makes it unfortunately even easier to just fire the coach because now, now you have the built-in excuse of like, well, it, yeah, okay, we can't change a whole lot of the roster, but we change the coach and we think he can get more out of the roster. Like it all, it all plays into it. If it, if the Bruins had a ton of cap space and, you know, seven guys who are free agents and plenty of room to turn over and make moves, it's easier for Don Sweeney to address the roster part of the issue. Um, and maybe you keep Cassidy through that. But because you can't do a whole lot with this roster, and and yes, the, the offseason technically hasn't even started yet, you know, from a league perspective. Like, is it maybe you know, Don Sweeney has something up his sleeve and does make some major move, but it'll be difficult to do. So firing the coach becomes the easy thing to do. The easy change to make the one thing that you can, no matter what you do now with the roster, the one thing you can point at and say, well, this is different. And this is what we think is going to lead to better results. But who are you fooling in that case? Nobody. The, no, the, no one. No. Oh, yeah, this is what you say. You can say whatever you want. Like it's you're too not fooling anyone. It's too. It's too smart of us. Well, it's, and it's too then you can also base. say two of our top players are injured to start the year, and they're going to have to work back in. And well, then, then you just, pun, you just add, in place. Yeah, well, great. Just it just sounds like more and more of an excuse maker. Really, honestly, it doesn't really change much. The, the problems you can make up any excuse you want in the world. But you still have the same problems you had yesterday and this morning and. 
an hour ago when we recorded the first podcast. So <laughs> except for you, you added one, find another coach. But uh, they also guys, we could have seen this coming as well because um, one of their. Well, we did remember the very lot the last podcast post the Bruins losing to the Hurricanes. We addressed it and mentioned the fact that if Cassie was gone, you know, this is kind of the reaction it would get. Yeah, but some uh, some tangible evidence that we could have seen this for coming was the um, w- one of their assistant coaches, uh, um, you know, voluntarily I guess left the team uh, last week, week before. Um, uh, what's his name? Kim Brandvold. Ah, it was somebody else too. Um, who the hell? It was one of their main assistant coaches. Dean something something Dean or oh uh, Kevin Dean. Yeah, and now now he may have been running the power play too. I'm not really sure. I think he was running the forwards. So uh, Kevin, so Kevin Dean coached the the defense. Okay, okay. Well, he's no longer with the coaching staff, and obviously he was part of Bruce Cassidy's staff. So I mean, I guess that could have been a shoot, the first shoot to drop, but that didn't necessarily mean Bruce was going. Um, yeah, I don't know. And that's you guys bring up another thing too is uh, you have a couple key guys out of the lineup for the first few months of the season that are have to going to come back and learn a new system right away. Um, so that's not going to be the easiest transition, I'm sure. Yeah, so I don't – so the Kevin Dean thing, I don't think anything – anything's been official on that front. I believe it was Mark Allred um, who runs, like, the Black and Gold Network. Um, wouldn't be surprising. I mean, obviously, now that Cassie's fired, probably the entire staff or most of it will turn over. Joe Sacco may be another candidate to be head coach um, – you know, we haven't mentioned him yet, but he's obviously been an assistant coach here for a while now. So I'm sure his name will, will be in the ring, but he was formerly a head coach as well. Yeah. Otherwise, whoever the new coach is um, will, you know, hire his entire staff. So everyone will be cleaned out anyways. Um, as far as Sacco goes, though, like worth mentioning with him. Again, if you're talking about someone you want to, you know, who's going to be better with younger players. One of the biggest problems Sacco had in Colorado was that like young Colorado core. And this was back, you know, when it was like Gabriel Landeskog coming up, like I think Matt Duchesne was there, like sort of that group. They like despised him by the end. And that may have been partly, you know, immaturity on their part, but, and I think Sacco has talked about like how he did think he made mistakes and learn from them. Um, But like, that'd be interesting. You would have to buy into Sacco kind of making the change that Bruce Cassidy had to make from his first head coaching job to, you know, when he was with Washington and didn't get along with players to 10 years later, learning from it and getting better. Um, So, you know, that'd be interesting. I want to bring up one other thing too, because, you know, the, um, the comment in Fluto's article about, younger players being afraid to make mistakes, right? And um, just this kind of notion that younger players couldn't develop under Bruce Cassidy, which I find comical because I would say Brandon Carlo did and Charlie McAvoy, um, Matt Grizzlick, David Pashnak. Um, don't forget, Claude Julian... Do you Julian, want to throw Jeremy Swayman in there? Sure. Claude Julian had Pashnak, um, you know, well into his second and a half year playing on the fourth lineup in Montreal. I mean, so, like... But here's some other names for you. Danton Heinen. Did Danton Heinen struggle under Bruce Cassidy? No. I mean, he was a little streaky, but he was a good player for you. 
um, he got traded by this by the GM. Anders Bjork, clearly the player didn't have the skills to translate at the NHL level. He got traded in a great trade. Uh, Ryan Donato got traded by 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 Sweeney in a great trade for Charlie Coyle. Trent Frederick is Trent Frederick a, 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 a casualty of Bruce Cassidy not being able to develop him, or is it a lack of skill set? How about Jack Sanika? Is Bruce Cassidy calling him up from Providence, or is it Don Sweeney who never calls him up from Providence? Jake DeBrusque, he's probably the most glaring example. Or, of or is it Bruce Cassidy's fault that Jack Stanika has plateaued in Providence? Right, right. And, like, ex- exactly. And then Jake DeBrusque is, like, the most prime example of somebody who has struggled under Bruce Cassidy, and he's streaky, but yet he also has two 25-plus goal seasons and, you know, clearly <laughs> is something rather than nothing. Um, so this notion that Cassidy can't develop young players is bullshit. Like, they either aren't being called up or they're being traded anyway. So I don't know that that's foolish to me too. I just don't, what's this new coach going to do no matter how good the guy is that Cassidy wasn't really doing. I mean, really Bruce Cassidy was maybe, maybe players wouldn't want to go out for a stake with Cassidy on the road. But besides that, I mean, like he seemed to do a pretty damn good job for his seven years here. Don't forget, like when he took over for, for Claude, the team was spiraling. They were very boring to watch. There was no real identity, no direction. He came in, he changed the style of play, more up-tempo, and it, it now it seems like they want to revert back to what they were playing like with Cass, with uh, with Claude Julian. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't see how this is, unless you have certain key players like Bergeron and Krejci or, or others, Pashnak, who, who, who question their future in Boston if they didn't make a coaching change. I don't really see the benefits of this. Not right now, at least. And I would also add, like, if it's about Bargeron and Krejci, then that still ultimately comes back to Don Sweeney because if you had, you know, your future centers ready to go, maybe you're not as tied to to those guys in terms of, like, having them make a decision like this, if that's what ha- is what happened. But, you know, you're not kind of operating at the whims of a th- 37-year-old and 36-year-old if you have your younger centers ready to go and ready to take over and kind of lead the the next team. And it, again, it's not it's obviously not Cassie's fault that you don't have those centers. You haven't drafted them. You haven't developed them. You spent your cap space on Nick Felino and Eric Holler and Tomas Nosek. So, you know, that's like even even that part of it still ultimately comes back to Sweeney because hanging on to get, you know, another year out of Bergeron and or Krejci is what you're left. Like it's the only option at this point because you, you don't have anything else. Like that's, that's your only path to being a playoff team and making any sort of run next season. But you don't even have control over that either because ultimately ultimately, at the end of the day, it's Krejci's decision and Bergeron's decision and they can leave you high and dry. And, you know, Krejci did last season and Bergeron could do the same thing here. Also worth mentioning that Cassidy was with the organization for 14 years. So he was with them back in Providence before he came up. So, I mean, he's known Sweeney and Neely for 14 years and he was somebody that they were going to to ask about development for players in Providence back when he was the coach of Providence and so it's like he's been here for that long even though he was only head coach for since 2017 um he's knows the system from dating back 14 years yeah 
And, and, and like another thing too is I'm just looking at like the people people love to talk about the um the 2015 draft and 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 you know rightfully so, but like it's twenty the 2022 draft is approaching. Is there anybody from the 2017 draft, so five years ago, till now that's actively on the Bruins and contributing, dating back four drafts? Because it's not just the 2015 draft. I mean, it's it's Erho Vakaninen who's in Anaheim now, which look helped you get Lindholm, so f- fine. And then who's the other one? Stanika. So he's buried, and it's just like after Charlie McAvoy, there's been nobody. And Trent Frederick may have been in McAvoy's draft. I don't remember, or was McAvoy 14? Yeah. McAvoy and Frederick were both 2016. Okay. So you're 2017, talking- you also got Swayman in the fourth, fourth round. Okay. So that would be All right. I'll concede one. that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but from a skater's perspective, there just hasn't been anything. And we're dating back four drafts now. So it's, and, and, and you can't tell me, but they always draft in the bottom 10. I get it. But like, look at all the core players from the Bruins' success in the championship runs. Bergeron, not a first-rounder. Marshan, Krejci, Lucic, none of those guys are first-round draft picks. Look at Tampa Bay's dynasty. Kucherov, Point, Palat, like, go down the list. I mean, Kalorn, like, all these guys were not first-round draft picks. So you can get somebody after the first round, and the Bruins just have showed, <clears throat> from a skater's perspective, because you just mentioned Swayman, they can't hit on their first-round draft picks because they have low draft picks. Fine. You can also hit in other rounds, too. You've done it in the past. I think I'm choking on a frog or something. <clears throat> God damn it! Um, you, you talk too much. Really. I think just... I think I think Sweeney was like pulling a, a Stranger Things thing, <laughs> like at eleven, and just making me my 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 throat choke or something. I but... literally, in between recording the podcast, was watching Stranger Things. Actually, yeah, it doesn't really pick up till episode seven. But um, anyway, so I just finished episode four. My point is, um, way too much time has passed beyond the 2015 draft, where there's just there's just a lack of anything. Now, obviously, it's you know we expect Lysel and Lorai and some of the you know 2020 and 2021 picks to come in. I get that, but um, you know you, it's it's tough it's tough to it's just tough for a coach when you're bringing in you know free agents and you're bringing in trades and you're not able to you know groom some home some homegrown players and the ones that they have you know haven't really gotten a fair shake in the NHL for one reason or another and that's not on casting necessarily so. Like, I don't know how Jack Sanika, like, do you think Jack Sanika after training camp last year, not making the Bruins was a Bruce Cassidy decision or Don Sweeney? I really don't know because he had a great camp. He put on weight. He was effective in training camp. And he did, it looked like everything that they wanted him to do before the regular season. And they buried him in Providence. And I knew it was going to F with his confidence. Was that Cassidy? That that was, that that was Sweeney because it was, it was a numbers game and it was a numbers game because Sweeney signed so many veterans in the bottom six. That there wasn't, as long as everyone's healthy, there wasn't room for Stanika. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. despite despite them trying to play him not even in his natural position. <clears throat> so because your bottom six was was invisible the prior year against the Islanders, okay, and it was the key reason you lost the series because their bottom six severely outplayed yours. Okay, so you have to go out and now you have to buy the fix because you couldn't draft it. So you go out and buy the fix, and in doing so, you inhibit the few players that you did draft their development. It's yep, fire Cassidy though makes tons of sense. <laughs> no, seriously, I gotta tell you, I don't know where this team is going. If if, and I want to preface this: Don Sweeney has done plenty of good in his tenure with the Bruins. I'm not shitting on him, but you just got rid of a phenomenal head coach, objectively. And one of the best in the league, top five, top ten, easily. 
Um, and now, like, we're trusting somebody whose strength hasn't been drafting and developing. You know, he's, he's, he's done okay in free agency, okay in trades. I think he's done a good job drafting un, um, or signing undrafted uh, NCAA prospects. That's a good thing he's done. Um, but I don't trust Don Sweeney, and it seems to me that he has no fear of losing his job, and there's no accountability. And I, I really well, want Scott. To I think he has a tomorrow. lot of fear in losing his job, and that's why he did it. That's that's true. That's true. But I want. I yeah, want and, and I'll also say that I, I think I think Sweeney's job was legitimately on the line this past season. I think Neely, without directly saying that told us that when he explained why he let Sweeney go through the final year of his contract without an extension said he wanted to see how the year went. And I know like the reaction to that from a lot of people was, well, the team lost in the first round. What the hell did Sweeney do to, to win Neely over? I specifically think there were two things that, that Neely saw that made him think, that Sweeney had turned a corner and, and earned more time. One was drafting Fabian Lysel, who had a terrific first season post draft. Who and fell? Who fell to them? By the way, fell to them, but you still had to draft him. I mean, it wasn't a slam dunk. It, it's not like everyone was saying, "Oh, obviously the Bruins have to take Lysel here." Like there were other players on the board that some people had ranked higher. Um, but that looks like a very good draft pick in a much needed infusion of skill. Where I could see sweet, I could see Neely looking at that and saying, "Okay, Don learned something. He drafted the kind of prospect we didn't have enough of before." And then the second one, obviously, was the Hampus Lindholm trade. Neely has said numerous times for a couple of years that, you know, basically since Chara left, that they wanted to find that all-around left-shot defenseman. You know, basically something like Charlie McAvoy, but on the left side. And I think Neely looked at it and said, okay, Don finally found it. He went out, he got the guy, and then he signed him. Um, do I personally think those two moves, you know, should have single-handedly saved Sweeney's job? No, I think I think like there's still there's still so many issues that those two don't completely solve um, or even come close to solving. And having continuing to have this enormous gaping hole at center in the post Krejci Bergeron era is still an even bigger hole than, than either of those two. And that has not been fixed and has not been addressed yet. Um, but I, I do think that those two moves in particular um, basically save Sweeney's job. I think if one or both of those don't happen or they go sideways or you know, it looks like they had another first-round pick who's not producing or, you know, a quiet trade deadline or whatever, like, then I, I think Sweeney probably is out of a job right now. Another thing, too, that annoys me from an organiza- organizational standpoint is just, like, like I'll use I'll use the gas tank analogy. Like, at, at the centerized position, like, they've had a full tank for, for a long time. But as it's gone down to half a tank and a quarter of a tank, like they just refused to acknowledge, yeah, we're gonna be on empty pretty soon. And what they did was they got down to an eighth of a tank, and they were like, yeah, we'll throw a five on pump seven. Let's draft Trent Frederick. Yeah, let's throw three bucks on you know pump eight, bring in Stanika. But like, and, and then they're surprised when they get down to, when they're on empty and they break down. And I just don't understand um, how you have such a glaring. 
how how can you not have the foresight to recognize while yes we have Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci on our roster and that they are a phenomenal one-two punch in the moment how do you not recognize what three four five six years from then brings you I don't get it I really don't get it um and and it's negligent if you ask me, and um, I it's very disappointing because it's just it's just it's like it's it's management one hundred and one. Like you see, just because you have plenty of food in the cupboard doesn't mean it's not going to be bare when you when you eat it every single game for you know fifteen years. So um, I don't really know where they go from here. I, obviously, there's a lot of shoes to drop, so you don't want to you don't want to demonize them off of one unpopular decision without seeing what their what their game plan is, but. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's tough to see the forest or the trees right now, whatever the hell that saying is, because I just think they're saving their saving their own bacon. You know what I mean, Scotty? Now, Scott, I want you. I want you to bring the oh, fire I heard it was tomorrow. Bacon. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want you to. I want you to bring the fire tomorrow. I like to smell to the. I like to wake up to the smell of bacon. Sue me. Um, I want you to. I want somebody to ask Don Sweeney tomorrow, like, like legitimately, like, you know, um, what do you say to those who feel like he was fired for you know other shortcomings like seriously like i hate like somebody should put him on the spot and like because it's a bullshit firing in my opinion oh well you know uh he didn't draft as well as he could have uh you know uh didn't, didn't develop players you know we don't like the power play okay what about your shortcomings like did you put him in the best position to coach because i think of him cam and don he's the best at his job and he lost his hey, scott are you gonna do that are you gonna ask that <laughs> I gotta figure out exactly exactly what I'm gonna ask. We gotta send to, Brian. Do you need Brian a credential? Don't be afraid to lose first that, that to, credential. First, I have to write a column and thank thank you so much to the Bruins for making Sweeney's media availability at eight a.m. That's well, Scott. The Bruins should issue an apology because for six six or seven years, Bruce Cassidy was a walking soundbite, and he was very transparent and made made uh, your job very entertaining and that depending unless unless they bring in John Tortorella is going to be going bye-bye because uh they'll probably bring in somebody who's not as open with the media about players because that yeah no he was good he, he was he was easy to deal with for for us yeah so I don't know I am not a fan of the move I'm not a fan of the move because I don't see the direction that they're going in and I think that it was it was a uh it was throwing them under the bus, is what it was, and I don't like that. To be honest with you, I know it's part. I know it's the name of the game. I know it's professional sports, and it happens all the time. I will say, it doesn't happen to head coaches who didn't like miss the playoffs or underachieve. Like he didn't do any of those things. It would be so much easier to understand this if they missed the playoffs even once. Like he didn't even come close. They, they it was it was his first time ever. Coaching him for a full season and not making it past the first round, fired. Oh, we only got three home games. We only got three, 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 uh, three gate sales for for the playoffs. Fired. Okay. Sick. I have a feeling we're gonna have to record like a third podcast tomorrow when he inevitably, when Sweeney inevitably says something, and we're gonna have to come back. Or on. Sweeney gets fired. Supplement, <laughs> yeah, like we're gonna need su- supplemental co- uh, content for for whatever. And if Scott, you know, if Scott 
ask them the tough questions and we get or we get an answer we need to discuss uh who knows who knows we thought it was going to happen on friday because they've been you know news dumping on friday all these injuries and surgeries and uh nope monday this time it was a oh, monday so. thanks thanks for reminding me thanks for reminding me that's the other bullshit part of this guys let's drop the news right in the middle of the nba finals and right before um what is it mini camp starts for the for the, for the nfl well, Look, I'll at least say that because like I was joking with people about this. I jokingly told someone like a couple weeks or uh, probably a week ago, I was talking to someone about like, are they going to fire Cassidy? And I was like, well, I don't know. Like he's still twisting the wind, so maybe. And said so, like, if they do, it's probably going to be during one of the Celtics finals games. So at least they didn't do that. At least they picked an off night. But I mean, now do you think it wouldn't surprise me though? <laughs> yeah. You, I, I mean, they fired Claude Julien during a Pages parade. <laughs> like, do you think that they, um, like, do you think that higher up at the Bruins they'll catch wind? Like, not that they're gonna see how ratio they're getting on social media, but like, do you do you think that like they'll catch wind that this was an extremely unpopular decision, like, and that the fan base is like turning against them for at least on this particular like move? And do you think, do you think do you think that affects them at all, like psychologically? I think they already knew that going in. Like, I think whatever, however much something like that gets taken into account, I think already happened. I, I say whatever you want about Neely and Sweeney. I don't think they're dumb enough to think that like this was going to be applauded. I think they knew this was going to be an unpopular move. Um, by the way, since like we're talking about getting ratio, the the Bruins team Twitter account just tweeted like a thank you Bruce graphic. And it's like, man, like I'm like I, I know they're social media people, like they're good people. Just why do you gotta do this to them? Like, <laughs> yeah, come on. that's uh, they're just they're just doing what they gotta do. It's it's yeah, but I don't know. It's just like as they have their you know Bergeron with the crown C as their Twitter icon. Guys, I just I just don't know what he could have done any better. Like. I, I don't mean that like Bruce Cassidy's decision making was perfect because it wasn't. Like I, I thought that they definitely could have um, strategically played a bit of a different style at times. I thought they were stubborn on the power play, um, you know, etc. But like you look at the personnel guys, and it's like you got Bergeron, Marshan, Pashnak, Hall. Depending on the night, DeBrusque. Depending on the night, Halla. Depending on the night, Coil. That like you can maybe expect a goal from. Certainly, obviously, the first few guys I said. But beyond that, it's like, what the? F- and I said this to you guys in the preview of the of the of the playoffs. It's like, do you really see a situation where Trent Frederick has an overtime hero goal, or Thomas Nosek, or you know Nick Foligno, or like the the talent wasn't there in the bottom six to win a cup. So what are you supposed to do if you're Cassidy when the top players get neutralized, which happens every year to all the best teams? That's why you need the depth. And yeah, so- well, here's here's a here's a question all that uh, Matt Kalman just tweeted, and uh, we'll give Matt Kalman credit. He was one of the original skate podcasters. Um, and these are two things that are good points. Uh, he says, I want to know, is Bruce Cassidy fired if Lindholm stays healthy and if the Bruins win game seven in Carolina? Like, does he get fired yeah. if they make the next round? Probably not. I doubt it. It's probably. I, I guarantee you that Jeremy Jacobs. Don't forget, like in twenty twenty one last year, like 
they only had um, they only had fans for the two games against the Capitals at home, but it was limited fans. And then they finally got full admission back for the Islanders series. But like that, that's back to back series with full attendance where Jeremy Jacobs didn't see the fruits of another series. And I think that's a real part of it too. And um, yeah, but know. you can't just expect that. That doesn't just happen for teams. Like, uh, no, it doesn't. But there's a standard. You're not just like, oh god, like there's, I don't know what you. There's a standard. You, there's a standard ex- with 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 the Jacobs and the Bruins, and they expect they expect you to make the playoffs and make a run. If not, you're fired. I mean, you can't go the to the Eastern Conference Finals every season. It's just not going to happen, unless you're the Lightning. <laughs> yeah, and the Lightning are doing it because. They have been drafted and developed, and they've identified the right free agents and the right trades. Then, and, John, and who's responsible for those things? Mostly Steve Eiserman and John Cooper is not, you know, the coach he is without the players around him. Because at the end of the day, it comes down, it does come down to the players, because that's just the nature of the business. And the coach doesn't affect who's on his team; he, the GM, does. And I thought Cassie did a great job with the players he had. Um, you know, whatever. It's what it is. It's what it is. Yeah, I'll I'll end just by noting what I did off the top, which is it is entirely possible that the the Bruins' next coach turns out to be a great fit and clicks with this group and gets a lot out of them. Like it's absolutely in the realm of possibility that the next coach is a better fit for this group at this time than Cassidy is right now. I like, I don't, I don't dismiss that, but in, in the meantime, in the present, like it's clear that this is a move to buy Sweeney time to, to give him something he can point to, to say, I made this change this off season and it's gonna like, just like last season, it was, well, we have a lot of new guys. It's going to, take time to break them in and, and there ended up being truth to that. Like it, it took to, to, to the second half of the season to click. Oh, by the way, it clicked when Bruce Cassidy changed up the lineup and found the right combinations and figured out that Eric Halla actually somehow magically did work between Hall and Pasternak. Um, but now this buys them another combined with, you know, the surgeries for Martian and McAvoy in particular, like, it it builds in time for Don Sweeney to be able to say, well, we have a new coach, we have guys coming back from surgery, and you know, you can't you can't judge us on what happens between now and December. So and, and by the way, Cassidy already did fix the problems, like all the problems that he could fix. So he has already fixed the lines the best that, that he possibly could. And now they like hand the keys over to the next guy who now at least has like a basis for trying to maneuver the the lineup that they have. So it's almost like he solved the problem. And then they were like, yeah, well, no, this guy's going to handle it actually. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Cassidy made filet mignon out of cheap ass steak from stop and shop. And we're going to fire the chef instead of the, uh, the restaurant manager who gave him the shitty uh, ingredients. I'm hungry. I haven't had dinner. Can you tell? <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry too. All right. Well, I think uh, that means it's time to wrap I up. Think that's yep. We gave it an hour. That's 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 two and a half hours of podcasting tonight, <laughs> with only the best hour being heard. Right, Scott. 
Remember what I said, I don't take it easy in the press tomorrow. Bridget, you neither if you're on as well. I want I want some accountability. If not, if not, even if he just says, I won't be answering that, um, or gives you a fluff answer, I want him to hear. And I want you to tell him that I said it. Please. <laughs> Please and thank you. I think we should just send Brian as our representative. You have any? You have any like uh, f- fake mustaches or disguises or something? I'll tell him. I'll say Brian D. Felice wants to know, and Don Sweeney will stare at me and yeah. whisper, "Who's that?" <laughs> oh, that's oh, is that your the, worst nightmare? Is that the kid who had one question at a press availability to produce Bergeron? That's right. <laughs> oh, that kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they remember. Yeah. All right. Well, um. I think that'll do it. Let me get this over to you, Scott. And uh, like we said at the end of the last podcast, that never is going to be aired. We're gonna we're gonna chime back in anytime there's breaking news, like we just did. Um, Hopefully not an hour later, like this. Right? Yeah. Hopefully bad it's a timing. few days, bad, maybe a few weeks. Bad timing. Uh, and we will definitely preview the the draft and you know see what happens coming up here and and all that good stuff. So if you guys are all set. You good? Yep. Thank you. All good. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon.